everybody. It's Ash Wednesday. We're getting this uh, this time of Lent underway, the first day. On this day, you know, around the world, Catholics will go to their churches for Mass and receive the imposition of ashes. So they, they'll uh, have a cross traced on their forehead. We, we, Many of you, if you're listening to this, probably you have seen this before, even experienced this or done this. Maybe you've seen people, seen people walking around town with a black cross on their head. Well, it's from Ash Wednesday. To remember that we are, uh, we are from dust, and to dust we shall return. It's a reminder for us to repent and believe in the gospel. On this first uh, day of Lent, the 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 pilgrimage it kicks off with a, a journey. This this first day journey to the Church of Santa Sabina. Every day I'm going to read a little bit of information about these churches, and it's going to come from a, a book that was put together by seminarians at the Pontifical North American College throughout the years. The book is called Procedemus in Pace, which means let us proceed in peace or let us march forward or let us be pilgrims, let us, let us make a pilgrimage in peace, let us journey in peace. Um, this book is probably uh, not going to, probably won't be able to find it because <laughs> we had them all printed there at the school. You may find one, good luck, um, but there is hope. You can go to the Pontifical North American College website and get all the information there. So everything that's in the book is on their website. So I'm not trying to, it's not even copyrighted, I don't think. Um, so it's uh, giving all the credit to them. That's uh, that's, that's where it's from. <laughs> you can go to pnac.org station churches. So if you Google PNAC, P-N-A-C, station churches, or if you write out Pontifical North American College station churches in Google, you'll find it. And the list will be there. Every day of Lent, we'll have a link, and you click on that little link, and it'll give you some information. So um, each day, I'll read a little bit of this history, and also I'll give the distance, according to Google Maps, <laughs> uh, the distance of how far it is to that church from the Pontifical North American College. That's the trip that we took every year during Lent. And um, that's what I'm doing this year for Lent. I'm, I'm replicating that. I'm doing that here at home. I'm going to walk it or ride my bike that distance every day. So I'll give the history, I'll give the distance. This one is to the Church of Santa Sabina. It's three kilometers, right about that, so um, 1.86 miles technically. <laughs> um, so right about two miles. So you can go out for a two-mile walk. Uh, if, you're, if you're limited in what you can do, uh, maybe just one mile or a half a mile or just one walk around the block. Do what you can, not what you can't. Um, you can also ride the bike too if you want. But enough of the basic introductory information. I won't repeat that every day. That's just for this first uh, day. Let's jump into some information about this Church of Santa Sabina. You can find more information at, at the Pontifical North American College website. You can also do your own research. George Weigel, um, no, yes, George Weigel did a, a book a number of years ago on the station churches. You can find that. That's another fantastic resource. So here's the reflection for Santa Sabina, Ash Wednesday. Ascending the Aventine Hill, we leave the noise of the Lungotevere behind us and continue up the small road that leads past stuccoed walls and grassy parks. The Basilica of Santa Sabina is soon seen on the right among the pine trees which surround it. This church provides an appropriate place to transition into Lent for it itself is a witness to the time of transition in which it was built during the last days of the Western Roman Empire. 
This location is traditionally believed to be near the house of the Roman matron Santa Sabina, a widow who was converted to the faith by her slave, Serafia. Around the year 126, both Serafia and Sabina were condemned for being Christians and put to death. Some remains of earlier buildings have been found next to the church, which would be of the correct age to have been either the house of Santa Sabina, um, which some traditions place on this site, or the meeting place of an early Christian community. The current church was built by the priest Peter uh, the Illyrian during the pontificate of Celestine I in the years 422 to 432. It has, for the most part, conserved its original structure with the main changes being cosmetic. The current interior of the basilica is largely a modern reconstruction of the church as it would have appeared following a renovation by Eugene II, who reigned between 824 and 827. The most notable contributions of the church at this time were its chancel screen and scola cantorum. A note on that. This is a side note. The chancel screen is about a uh, it's, it's Think of like a, a fence that goes through the church, kind of separating it into two parts, made of marble, about waist high. That's the chancel screen. And the scola cantorum is where the priest would sit and uh, you know, during Mass, and they would sing, and they would pray. But it was an area set apart where the priest would sit. Back to the text. A few centuries later, this basilica was entrusted to the Dominicans by Honorarius III. Since then, Saints Dominic, Thomas Aquinas... Michele Ghislieri, also known as Pius V, and countless other friars have passed through, through this sacred space. Renovations carried out in 1559 through 1560 replaced the original mosaic in the apse, which was heavily damaged with a current fresco thought to be similar in appearance to the image that had previously been there. A few decades later, in 1586-87, the sanctuary was renovated, with the chancel screen and scola being removed in order to give the church a more modern arrangement. With a new altar placed closer to the nave and an enlarged sanctuary, many of the widows were brick, windows were bricked in, making the church considerably darker than it previously had been. Although this was a common practice during this period, since the thought of the day was that darker spaces were more conducive to prayer, it took away much of the original character of the church. Thankfully, Nearly all of these changes were reversed during, the large, during a large restoration between 1914 and 1919. The 9th century screen and scola were reconstructed from surviving fragments, and some sections could not be found, which explains the blank or etched panels in the screen. All the original windows were reopened and restored to their original appearance as well. Okay, so that's the basic uh, basic information of this church and a little bit about its history. Um, there's a few more notes here about the, some of the details, uh, details of the artwork. For example, um, um, uh, panels in the wooden doors that depict, depict different biblical screen, uh, scenes, um, marble carvings from tombs that were in the area, and just other pieces of art. So you can check that on the, on the website as well. Um, Santa Sabina, the Church of Santa Sabina. And um, I'll close with this. This is the final paragraph from the book uh, for this chapter. It says, As we prepare to leave this church, we pause for a moment at the tomb to the side of the scola at the back on the right side. We can make, make its inscription our own as we set off on our spiritual journey through Lent. Ut moriens viveret 
vixit ut moritorius. That dying he would live, he lived as one who was to die. Memento mori. Remember your death. So here we go. Santa Sabina, day number one, two miles. God bless.